All right, gang, welcome back to another Out of the Rough Golf Podcast. We got a major championship preview pod for you guys. We've got the second major of the year, the PGA Championship, which is being held at uh, Oak Hill Country Club on the East Course in Rochester, New York. Um, a uh, course with quite a bit of uh, major championship history and not just major championship. It hosted the uh, Ryder Cup. And it's a, uh, a a pretty cool course, in my opinion. Um, quite a bit of history and uh, an original Donald Ross design. Um, I'm pretty pumped about it overall. I, I uh, you know, I've watched some stuff on the course, um, gotten to see the uh, course layout and whatnot. And uh, in my opinion, it looks pretty, pretty dope. I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, got some real deep bunkers, some nice uh, green complexes that you don't normally see very often on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, should should serve to be a pretty, uh, pretty good test for the guys out there. Any thoughts uh, right off the rip for you boys? Yeah, I'm fired up to see it, man. The course looks really cool. Um, some of the most interesting looking greens I've ever seen, which I think means they're going to put the pins in some places we don't normally see. Um, according to Twitter, what I've seen, it sounds like distance is going to be a, a huge factor here as far as being able to carry the ball and, and hit it long. Um, so we'll see if that comes in. That always makes things interesting. But yeah, fired up for another major. It's uh, It's go time. Yeah, I think by you mentioned Twitter and stuff and people that are on the grounds and just, you know, looking at the course and the history of the course, it seems like uh, that it, it it definitely is wanting it. it It's really wanting driving accuracy and distance. It's really that's what is going to be the big test out there this week. And uh, so, you know, if you're making any bets or anything like that, if you can find a bomber that is very accurate at the same time, those are going to be your primary factors, I would imagine. And then aside from that, just the old, you know, good approach game. I don't think uh, putting and, you know, chipping is going to be too, too uh, heavy this week. You know, obviously you're going to want to do okay, but I don't think that's going to be the defining factor of the winner this week. We can get into it. It'll be interesting because I think of where they're putting the pins um, and some of those tricky places scrambling might be a factor, but I think you're right. If, if you just are looking at who I want to bet on, it's who's hitting the ball straight and long off the tee and then putting it close on approach shots, which is generally a good person to bet on as a whole. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Annie Johnson at the Friday kind of, talked about it being kind of like a, a mixture of both Wingfoot and Beth Page Black. It's demanding in terms of you need to be a long hitter to really thrive at the venue for the most part. Um, not just based on the length of each hole or the fact that they have moderate rough, but also because some of the dog legs, namely like 17, you have to be able to get it 300 yards out just to be able to see around the corner to then approach into a, a long par four. Um, and then on top of that, the green complexes being so well protected by those deep bunkers that Dave was talking about that if you're not long and you're trying to approach these greens from anywhere but the fairway, like good luck getting anywhere close where you need to, especially to your point, Ryan, where they're going to have these expanded restored green boxes from Andrew Green, uh, tons of 
little back pockets that they can put these flags into that's going to open up short side misses and difficult slopes that are going to be making it hard to hold these greens. You really are not going to have much of a chance if you're not playing from the fairway for the most part in this course um, and being pretty far down the fairway at that. Just to add to that a little bit, uh, early talks out there, again, from Twitter and people that are on the ground say that this rough is quite a bit different than uh rough that they generally play it balls a lot, a lot, a lot harder to try to identify what they're going to do out of the rough. It's a lot trickier, stickier type of rough. It sounds like people are, you know, really, really talking about that. So it sounded like, that... sorry. Yeah. JT described it as really thick blades of grass on the rough, which they said is, not common at all for the tour i no idea but he he said it's very different um and it sounded like around the greens too it's really grabby where everybody's going to be hitting kind of like uh diggy punchy chips out of it you can't really just like sweep through it so a lot of jabby chips and stuff like that so not to mention it's like upstate new york or northwest new york and they're just coming into the spring you know so uh, it's going to be cold and maybe moist out there and that's just going to add to that rough yeah i think it snowed like within the last four weeks there so i mean the the elements will come into play but i i think that i mean when you hear all these things about course condition and and how they've got it laid out and how you're looking at you know those those long hitters are going to be you know, successful off the tee. I mean, it all turns into exactly what you want to see in a major where these guys are going to have to be playing to the best of their fucking ability if they want to be even close to the leaderboard. So, I mean, it's it's got every aspect of what you're hoping to see in a major from, I mean, from what we can tell so far at least. Yeah, I hope it, it walks that tight line between, you know, being playable still if you miss fairways, but not just being, you know, uh, you know, hit it as far as you can, kind of like wing foot and then chop it out type of vibe. And I don't I don't think it'll be that way. It seems like it's a much, you know, better representation of what we would like to see at a major championship. At least that's the vibe I'm getting, but we'll see. I, I think it will provide more options out of the rough than a wing foot or a, a Beth Page did, but I wouldn't say you have a ton of options from the rough. Uh, I think it's very much you'll just have more opportunity to punch it probably further toward the green. But I think given the green complexes of how they're currently laid out and most of, par, most of the par fours, um, I, I don't think there's going to be much like, oh, I'm going to recover and go for the green. Like, I mean, people can try, and I just don't think you're going to see very many people um, be able to recover from the rough in any sort of brilliant fashion. Um and I don't think the angles are going to matter as much be, given that fact that people are really to cheat into the rough a little bit to have a better angle. It's it's probably not going to be the case. But I don't think it's going to necessarily provoke the type of uh, craftsmanship or artistry that maybe Southern Hills did with the last year's PGA or possibly even Kiowa uh, the year before. But I think we're still going to get a better test of golf from PGAs like uh, we had at like Bethpage or at, you know, uh, what was it? Bell Reeve way back. Like it, I think it's still a, a better course than those. And I, I, I imagine if we went back four years ago before the restoration, when it was just oval greens and terrible Fazio holes and 
basically they've at least done a good job making it closer to what Donald Ross had before. I mean, a lot of things have been pulled back uh, quite a bit in time, which is which is great. I mean, from all accounts, it seems like they've done a really good job of trying to bring back that, you know, original Donald Ross vibe. Um, they removed a lot of trees and stuff like that. So by all means, it seems like it's going to play a lot better than it would have prior to the, you know, the most without question. Yeah, right. without question. I, I think it'll be nice to, I mean, if, if the, you know, if that thick grass is, is like JT's talking about, I mean, I think that that'll make it interesting around the greens too, because these guys are used to being able to kind of finesse it out of the rough with, with, you know, whether it be flop shots or just being able to get the ball up in the air a little bit more where if they're going to have to be punchy, I mean, it's going to, you know, they're going to have to kind of be a little bit more ninja-like with their, with whatever those shots are going to be. So I think it'll make it interesting around the greens when these guys don't find the green and reg, you know, if they are off to the side or um, where, wherever it is in that rough. I mean, I, I think those punchy shots will make it interesting to see uh, what, what these, what those approaches are going to end up looking like after the fact. Yeah. Along 100%. with, along with those greens are guarded very well by the bunkering on this course. The, they are pretty, you know, not exactly the same, but kind of reminiscent of open championship bunkering. A lot of them you're going to be having to, you know, chip out, you know, left to right on occasion, you know, these things are deep and uh, uh, that's something that I really like about it. Just even aesthetically with the, the grassed walls and stuff like that. It's just the bunkering is something that you don't see a lot on, uh, on PGA tour courses or courses in general in the United States. Um, at least that we see on TV. Um, so I, that was refreshing to see for me. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I would agree. It's always you nice know. when a bunker plays as a hazard instead of a bailout. Like so many of these places, especially with this long rough where guys could just say, hey, if I dump it in the bunker, that's an easy up and down. Like I can just go at it. If I'm a little short, it's in the bunker. We're good to go. So the idea of actually being penalized for hitting it in these bunkers is awesome to me. I, I love that. I mean, it, it's more of a penalty than hitting the green, but I think it's actually probably less of a penalty than the rough that's around the bunkers. The, like if sure. you're caught in the rough around those bunkers, you have the weirdest stance through the strangest rough that you can't predict as much. Like that's, I think, a worse penalty. I think if people are going for a long iron in the greens and they're expecting a bad, like if they miss it, like they probably won't be completely, you know, concerned with being in the bunker. They're deep, but they're not so deep where these guys who are pros, like they're still really well manicured. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's to Clint's point as well. I was just adding on top of that to the bunkering around the greens that you know it's a. I it, think they're some of the most aesthetically pleasing bunkers that we've yeah, seen in agree. a while. Like they're really, I, I, like not to keep bringing up his name, but like they just did a phenomenal job. And, Andrew Green, everybody. If we came back to this course, I thought it was before we, it'd be one of the worst PJs we've seen in a while. So well, I mean, and they did a massive fucking just removal of trees. Um, I know we all, for the most part, of you know, watched a lot of videos and done some research on the course, but yeah, just the, the amount, uh, I, I don't know if y'all picked up on this, but the amount of trees that were planted out there by one of the early on members, something like a hundred thousand trees with acorns. Yeah. You said is, he stopped counting after 64,000. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's just insane. And apparently it was like acorns that were sent from all over the world from prominent yeah. like places, which places is cool. England. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like uh 
you know, those trees eventually grow up and mature and age and, you know, they start to make fairways really narrow and, you know, windows for shots in the rough. So, you know, I know it was a little contested with the membership and stuff at first, but I'm sure they're pretty satisfied and pleased with the product that they were delivered in the end. It, it is a little ironic that the way to make a golf course named Oak Hill for the oak trees better is to get rid of the oak trees. Like I, I see the internal struggle there, but yeah, I think it's an awesome thing they did overall. And I think everybody's really excited about it. So, I mean, uh, what, what, what's more consequential for the naming, like a bunch of oak, hill, oak, you know, trees everywhere or some clear, still impactful oak trees that you remember from the course going forward. Like if you think about like seven, like seven has a huge Oak tree on the inside elbow of the dog leg left. That's going to be really consequential. If you don't hit it well off the tee, the same could be said about 17 smaller trees. Like you have now trees that stand out in your mind as consequential versus just like, it's a place with a lot of Oak trees. Right. For and sure. What What is it with uh, all the clubs with the name Oak in it, having the damn acorn as the logo. Am I right? Who, who can uh, say? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, any standout holes for you guys? Anything that comes to mind is like, I'm, if all of us have, for the most part, seen the course, and I don't think any of us were locked in enough with I, golf uh, in '95 to watch the Ryder Cup when it happened there. But I mean, any holes that, that still uh, exists now? Number six, I really like. It's a, a par four um, that the creek runs up along the right side of it and then it's got some consequential bunkers for the tee shot on the left um, it's going to play take a really good place tee shot and then you're going to have to cross over the creek with your second shot and it's going to be another challenging iron shot in so uh i think that that hole is really cool that that hole definitely stood out to me um, i i think that will be the signature hole for the week i think that's one that people are going to talk about the most it's the one that's going to be the hardest on the scorecard for most people it's the most different from what it was before. It used to be like a funnel par three <laughs> before at one point during a, a previous PGA that was at Oak Hill, four people aced that hole um, with the funnel with the same funnel pin. Uh, well, it probably uh, never happen again. If I'm not mistaken, that that was one of the holes that the George and Tom Fazio added and like broke up one of the prior holes and just yeah, people were livid about it. I know that fucking. Lee Trevino said they like ruined the course. Jack Nicholas wasn't happy about it either. Said they were just adding things to the course to add to it and whatnot. So I, I know it was, you know, very contested redesign from those boys. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that they brought it back to, you know, its former glory as close as they could. And I mean, it, that hole's it, it gonna shows. Be... Yeah, that hole's sick. That that hole's going to be a beast. I was just making a note of it. Like, I think if I was on site for the tournament, that number six, number seven loop, I would loop that for at least like an afternoon, just watch different guys try to attack it from different ways. Like, I wouldn't be su surprised if some guys choose just a layup on that par four, depending on where the pin's at, and just try to play for four. Because, like, if you hit that driver squirrely even a little bit, you're either in like a death bunker or you're in a creek. Um, unless you can bomb it, then it kind of opens back up for you a little bit, which is like another point to like it favoring bombers more. I think for like Brooks and Rory and Rom and Cameron Young and those sorts of guys, like I expect them to be able to kind of cut that dog, that, that little bit of a dog leg a little bit and have more, you know, fairway to open up to over there. So 
another area where I think longer guys will actually have a little bit of a not unfair advantage, but definitely uh, a significant one on that hole in particular. Any other standout yeah. holes for you guys? Is uh, it, I'm I, trying to find. Go ahead, Clint. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say I I like uh, the thought of 14 just because anytime you've got a drivable par four, um, I think that's that's always fun to watch who's going to do it. I mean, I if I'm not mistaken, there's three, you know, bunkers surrounding, which actually kind of to uh, your point earlier, I mean, that that could kind of be a helpful out, like if if they do happen to end up in one of those. But um, they do make it a little tough. If you are going to go irons off the tees, they put two uh, fairway bunkers as well. So could still be a challenging hole, but fun to see who might – you know, be going with that or going for that because it's, it sits at about 320. So I think that that could be uh, an interesting hole, just fun to watch on, on really good Eagle opportunities there. It'll be interesting. I was thinking the same thing. I don't know how looking at that, that the word drivable is likely that's like a turtle shell green surrounded by bunkers. Like if somebody does in fact put one on, that would be, super gangster i feel like you have a lot of dudes driving it into those bunkers um and trying to make up and down for birdie um and I, i'd be curious if anybody does lay back um i guess it'll depend entirely on pin location what they decide to do if you need to be able to generate some spin um yeah i mean I it's a, a risk reward like you said with pin location like if they can just get a driver up there and it's an easy you know up and down or if it's better to lay back for spin like you you said um yeah, yeah. i i i think 14 is a really interesting hole in the sense that it actually leads to people making decisions off the tee uh in a different way than i think most drivable par fours do if you take into consideration like three of the most popular drivable par fours you know, you've got uh, three at Augusta, or is it four at Augusta? I think four at Augusta. Um, you got, you know, 10 or whatever at Sawgrass. I'm 14 at Riverside. Uh, uh, <laughs> ten, 10 at Riviera. And, like, you've got these drivable par fours that all have the common theme of, like, you can run it up the front. And if you hit it a little bit, you know, softer, you don't get it there. Like, you're still fine with a pretty relatively easy chip um, versus this 114 here at Oak Hill, it doesn't have any runoff. Like it, it's not that the bunkers have the green site surrounded. It, it has the front guarded, and then the I think the difference is is that Ryan, I don't think people are really expecting to be able to drive it, fly it onto the green, and be able to hold it with one how the the greens are likely going to be running. The fact that OB is like right behind it with the other country club behind it, and then you have fifteen T box right there too which is probably going to be a fucking chaos if people are trying to fly on the green because you're going to be running into the other groups. It's going to be slow as shit over there. I think yeah. more likely people are going to be taking on the risk of driving it into the bunkers on green side and just trying to get up and down from those bunkers being easier than laying back into the fairway where you're going to have a severely uphill shot to a turtle shell green that you may not be able to get as much spin on as you want to. And to your point, depending on where they have the pins kind of pocketed on that green complex. I think if it's on that bottom left-hand shelf, where you have the ridge on the right, you actually probably will sit back and then just spin a draw into it on the left. But it's a, I think it's a fascinating hole in terms of the risk reward of not necessarily driving it onto the green, but better yet driving it into the bunkers to give yourself a good position to 
uh, go for the green. The only downside of that is to the point earlier that if you're in the rough by those bunkers, like you're kind of fucked. Like it's a hard shot, likely, like depending on what your stance is like. Yeah. yeah so I, and I was thinking not so much fly it onto the green, but chase something up, like just to get though. it on the surface. Exactly. There, there, that's what I'm saying. It so will be literally impossible to chase it up those complexes, namely the next hole, 15, that par three where they didn't bring it back to the old Donald Ross restoration that was further to the left of the tee, but instead they kept the green complex, changed it a little bit from what Fazio had done, and then replaced the pond that was there short right and wrapping around into a grass lowland area. And then they they kept some rough on the hillside that separated the two. And if, you know, Solly at No Laying Up was sharing some videos on his social of different guys practicing around there, and JT tried like pelting four and five irons into the hill, start trying to do bump and runs, and it would just pop straight back off based on the grass and like how the rough was. So like you can't yeah. run things up these or even especially if they're longer rough. And this one's like kind of mode. So like there's yeah. really no running things up these. It's almost like they're like wall barriers. Like you have to flop it on or work some sort of like if you're at the right angle, you can try to like just nip the top a little bit to take off, which Max was doing a little bit when he was practicing. Yes, yeah. they're counterintuitive, like runoff areas. They run off the green, but they, you can't really run them back on. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's one other hole that I think is worth mentioning, and that's just 18 looks like a sick finishing hole. If you have like a match that's going to come down to somebody needs to make a par to close it out type of deal, like it's a narrow fairway, bunkers everywhere, fairly long approach shot. I think that could make for some really interesting drama to finish the match out. Yeah, aside that elevated that, green is oh, no joke on 18. Uh, aside from that, I think Kid mentioned it earlier it was 17. Um, just having to get it up around that corner. I don't I don't necessarily really like the hole, but it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, that tee shot is demanding if you're gonna want to even have a chance at going at the green. So that's gonna kind of be a hole that I think is gonna be a separator to a degree. Um you're either gonna be able to go for it or you're kinda have to be hoping to make a par, you know. Well, and I mean that that drive that they're looking for there, I mean, is yeah, at least two eighty. So most of these guys aren't gonna have issues with that, but I guess placement wise, as as long as they're able to get it down, um, they'll have a full full view of the green there. But I mean that that hole they say for like most members plays part as a par five. Um so I mean it's it is a challenging hole. I, I think the there's only two par fives in the course, obviously. It's a par seventy, um, which is gonna be interesting in the sense that like there's not gonna be too many birdie holes out there. Um, but I think they I think they found a good balance with how they made the par fives in terms of like what they demanded out of the out of the play. I think four is really interesting, not necessarily because of the tee shot, it's kinda like a straightish par five. But that green complex is so interesting in terms of like how they protect it with the bunkers and how it's like a a like triangle, but like with the point being toward the fairway and then it's spreading out where it's like chasing it on is a little bit of a bottleneck if if you have the right angle. But as you go to fly it longer, like you have more openness in the green. They have some tucked back areas before it runs over in the back. So like once again, a, a premium on distance, the further you can get it there, the more you have a comfort level of flying it on the green starts opening up beyond you. So it's like another thing that favors the longer guys 
because running it up <laughs> is going to be more difficult with the protection of the rough and the, the bunkers there. So I think despite the course being super long and all these dog legs being tough to <laughs> be able to get around without being long, like they're also architecting the green complexes to be favoring longer people too. So like, it's really hard to like root for a person to do well here. That isn't going to be at least flying it, you know, 300. Like it's, it's pretty wild to think about and it'll be colder and it'll be a little bit harder to fly it far, but that's that uh, and the demand for accuracy, like with the rough, the way it is like someone that bombs it and is accurate is going to be up, up in the leaderboard. Yeah. I mean, this place kind of like screams ROM 2021 or 2022. <laughs> like when ROM was like really, really straight off the <laughs> tee as well. Um, or it was, you know, Rory before the masters, like with the, where he, it, with that shorter driver, when he had it on a string, like, I think this place really is eliminating at least half the field, like with how it's set up. And I think that's okay. It just, it's just another championship test. That's putting a massive premium on distance. It um, might be eliminating more than half the field with 20 of the people being PGA professionals. So uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah. definitely true. I wasn't even really thinking of them as part of the field. Yeah. <laughs> They're more like ceremonial starters. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think everything you said there is pretty accurate. Um, I mean, with that being said, if there isn't really much more that y'all want to touch on with the course, I'm sure it'll be sprinkled back in as we talk about people that we might like and whatnot. Um, we could, we could start getting into that. Yeah, seems yeah. like I, I think we should just say before we all make our picks that obviously John Rahm is going to win the thing. Um, I think that goes without saying, but we can make our picks afterwards. I'm assuming it's for comedic relief, but if you're that confident, I'm happy to put a wager on him not winning it. No, also, also with that, also with that being said, uh, that would put Rom if he did win on track for the the uh, Grand Slam obviously knocked two of them out of the way. And then with that, also the career grand slam, that would be three out of the four. So he'd be that much closer to that too, which, which would be a great, you know, narrative, great storyline. You know, I'm always down to see the Rombo, you know, number one player in the world, knocking off another major. I'm always in, on board for that. Um, and, and by all, by all standards from what we've mentioned, you know, his game does set up pretty well for the course. Um, as kid kind of touched on, he has been a little iffy with his driver placement. His accuracy this year has been a little off compared to years prior, but, uh, you know, he is, uh, the current masters champion, albeit a much different course, but, uh, he also has. And to Dave's credit, two... the number one player in the world as well right now. I mean, that's, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. But yeah, he's, he's got two other wins this year. Um, so the guy's playing some good golf. He's golfing his ball. And uh, yeah, I, he's, you know, the betting favorite for a reason. He's making yeah. some money right now. You know, my question, though, and I know it's probably the most apt place to go to after first talking about the number one player in the world uh, as we work down the, the power rankings here. But it, the question is, is Ricky long enough? Yeah. That's the first question that came to mind for you. Uh, yeah. Right after we talk about Rom, the number one player in the world, my brain then went to the second best player in the world, Ricky. Is he long <laughs> enough for this venue? 
Um, Understandable. I think, I think he's just long enough. I think it's uh, a matter of him ho- like not thinking he has to get more out of his drive than he needs to and making sure he's in the fairway. I think it, it's more important for Ricky to be in the fairway. I think he's long enough to have a go at it and just – it hit the fairways and make sure you make good approach shots. I, I I think I think approach shots are also very heavy on this course with the green complexes. So if he can just hit fairways uh, and make good swings at the greens, I think he stands you know stands a pretty good shot at doing well in this tournament. And he you know I I I message you guys in our group message. The boy is top top ten strokes gained this year, which is no, nothing to uh. Nothing to uh, be upset about. Need so, that at this age. Yeah. Uh, Rory or Ricky driving distance is 38th uh, with an average driving distance of 306 yards. I think that's plenty long enough. I mean, we're talking about the number one guy being like 12 yards longer. The, the struggle um, I'm looking at right now in data golf is that he's hitting about half of his fairways. And yeah, that's, that's, that's... kind of what I was, I was hinting at. Like it's going to be a course where you want to hit fairways. So uh, if he if he has a driver going this week or just has his tee ball going and he's he's accurate, I think he definitely can have a chance. But uh, you know that that'll 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 have to be seen this week, and you know that's essentially something we can say for everybody that we're going to be talking oh, sure. about. But uh, yeah, I, I I you know I have more confidence in Rick in this major than I have in you know a long time. You know, probably since Royal Royal Portrush. So um, I think that's a good good sign. I, I should say, as a noted and declared uh, Ricky hater in the anti-Wolf Pack, I also texted my betting group this week and said, hey, I think we should have some juice on Ricky. Um, I think he's second on tour right now in strokes gained approach, um, which is not bad. Second at anything is really good. Same thing. If he can... Whoever wins this thing, I think, is hitting fairways and they're giving themselves birdie looks by having opportunities to go at some of these gnarly pins. Um, if Ricky has the driver to do it, then I think 100% he's got to look. His putter looks good. I would not be surprised. You know that who's driving the, accuracy. The actual aesthetic of his putter and him putting, I'm not a fan of right now, but if he's rolling the rock, I'll accept it because I ride yeah. for Rick always. But. You know, I wish he would uh, have the same putting with his old Scotty that he just, you know, would put some good pace on the ball. And there was never a doubt that the ball was getting to the hole, you know. I think, I think some uh, of those five-footers coming back were becoming his demise, though, right? Uh, you know, that's neither here <laughs> nor there. He's rolling the rock Fair. fine right now, and that's what we're we're rolling with. I agree. Um, more reasonably to be worried about nothing against Ricky, but I mean, it was a joke to put him right after Rom. I think someone who could honestly upset and bring rain to the parade, uh, who has increased their driving accuracy by 15% since the start of the season, which is a shitload, uh, is Patrick Cantley. Um, he is pretty damn predictable off of the tee. He hits it plenty long enough. Uh, and he's known for his approach game. Like, so that, I uh I had a list dicey. Of, I had a list of uh, four guys and two notables for players to watch and he was on uh, on that list just to he, add that. He definitely scares me. 
but I mean, just do we have to watch him? You, yeah, you I mean, I, he's to. in a, he's in a lot of our anti wolf packs. I think the the point of this segment is to kind of talk about guys that kind of jump off the page that are kind of course fits, and by all means, Cantlay does jump off the page for a course fit for this this I, venue. And I mean, I think it's just unfortunate nope. is really the only thing, but I agree. But there also is a lot to be said, like he doesn't really show up for majors. So like, is he going to show up and actually sh- play the game that he's able to play? Who fucking yeah. knows? But if you're going off of statistics and analytics and course fit, uh, Cantlay looks good. And there he's a he's a fantastic top 10 bet. I'll say that if, much. If you're a betting yeah. man, he's not a bad you know, bet to throw a, a few a few bones on. So, an easy transition here is to talk about his best friend and wine tasting partner Xander. Uh, I think also a good course fit. Also, hunting his first major has kind of underperformed in majors. We keep like, God, the last broadcast. I, I think they said fifty-two times that this dude's game is built to win majors. Um. I could definitely see Xander performing well here. Um, one thing we, sorry, I'm talking backwards now. We didn't even mention uh, first or second tournament on the bag for Cantlay is one Joe LaCava. Um, we saw that make a huge difference for Scotty last year, getting a certified caddy on the bag could be something for Patrick Cantlay as well. Definitely something to, to uh, definitely something to pay attention to for sure. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with JT when he got bones in the bag. He quickly knocked off a couple wins. Um, notably, it was pretty PTA. cold after. Th- yeah, it hasn't really done much since. Um, but yeah, Z- Xander is an interesting uh, pick. I, he's been playing well. He played obviously really well at the Wells Fargo. had a had a chance to to get that one knocked off and and win it, but you know didn't pull it off. But I think it's the same thing as what Dave said about Cantley. It's like they always around there. Like they're always kind of like, oh wow, another top five in a major for for Xander or Cantley. But sort of like you never really threaten to to win it though, do you? Like you sneak in there. You know, Xander had his chance against Hideki at the Masters in uh, 2021, but kind of choked it on 16, and then became a non-factor at that point and that was like the closest i felt like he was gonna take a major and he didn't do it so i think they'll be right there i think xander and cantley are likely going to be on the outside looking in and if somebody just kind of fumbles the ball on the 10 yard line like maybe they they trip their way across the the red whatever the line is called <laughs> the red <laughs> line the red zone line the the touchdown line in zone, end zone goal line, line. Goal, goal, goal line. line. That's what it is. Goal line. <laughs> we got there. Yeah, you got there. You got over the finish line. <laughs> hey. Um, I have another guy who I am very high on that I think falls into a similar category with those two. Um, and that is one Tony Finau. Um, hasn't gotten it done yet at a major, um, but I love Tony this week. I think he's my favorite. I mean, it's that's cool, like to say that and give him the props, but I don't think he's had nearly as productive of a major performance history as those two guys. 
Like, no, I think he's, he's had like one or two first. top fives in the Masters. I would have to look, look at his wiki page, but I don't think it's nearly as studded as as theirs. It's uh, not. I, I'm just saying he's chasing his first major in the same way that those two are. And he definitely has the game to do it. He, you know, is above PGA Tour average in driving accuracy and distance. And we all know he has a shitload left in the tank for distance if he wants it. Um, and he's a great, approach game is yeah, awesome. great approach player. Um, I think he's a, a pretty good course fit, and I, I would love to see Finau do it. He's one of the honorable honorable mentions um, that I had under players to watch. Um, he's at plus twenty five hundred at the sports book I was looking at. So I think that's pretty good value there. Um, not the best value that I I came across, but uh, uh, I, I like him. I, I think it's a pretty good course fit for him. And, uh, I, you know, I would be very, very happy if uh, Fino got got a, his first major this week. And I apologize. He actually has a pretty good major resume. This is just me being a dick, I guess. He has, <laughs> he has four top fives in majors. Uh, one at the Masters, one at the U.S. Open, one at the PGA, and one at the Open. So he has the top five at each of the majors, uh, which is cool. The top five has, career Grand Slam. That's Rick. Rick. Only him and Rick can can really really pull those off with some fashionable. That's uh, a nice flair. group to be in. Um. So and in, in the the top five they had the PGA was actually at Beth Page in 2019. So. I think there is a lot of similarity between those two courses in terms of what they demand off the tee. Um, yeah. And, you know, Fina had just come off of a top five at, uh, I want to say, or no, I'm sorry. He, he, he just got a top won. five at the 2020 um, PGA, which was at what? Where was the St. Louis, right? Oh, no, 2020. Uh, it was at uh, where Morikawa won. It was at. Uh, oh, yeah. TPC Harden Park. Party yeah, park, party. yeah, yeah. So not even close to the same kind of course. Pino <laughs> um, is also leading the tour in strokes gained approach right now, which is pretty good. I like that. I mean, it's not bad. It's not yeah, bad. I'm a big, big, big Pino guy. Okay, so it's not even your like, pack. First of all, yeah, I think I'm the biggest Pino guy on this pod. Is he in your fantasy squad? Because he's in mine. No, but he's in my wolf pack, and that's really all that matters. Well, there's a possibility I could pull someone out of my wolf pack and put him in, but we're not going to go there now. I'm just saying I'm a big female guy. I do think this course could fit him well, especially when we're talking about the strokes game. Um, and, I mean, he's obviously long, so um, I like it. I like him. I think that he's got a – Big op here. I don't know. I think, like you said, Dave, that plus twenty five hundred. I mean, I'd put money on that just just for the pure sake of you know coming out on top if he does do it. And but, rooting for the boy, having <laughs> an interest. One hundred percent. I mean, I've already got a vetted interest in him, but yes, I feel it. And honestly, if you're really smart at betting, you take Finau, Xander, and Cantlay, and you parlay all three of them to top 20 and just take that all the way to the bank. Might as well throw Rom and Scotty in there too. And just no, good. see, that's where you get out over your skis, man. That's where it starts breaking down with Rom and Scotty. I'm just, I'm just saying like you're, you're inviting fourth and fifth variables into a parlay with two guys that like 
I don't know. I don't know, man. I think the two, two betting favorites. Yeah, number two. <laughs> yeah, but I, I already think you're taking a, a bit of a flyer with those. Like, It's one thing to say that one of those guys is going to hit it, but to say all three of them are is one thing. And then also throw two, two guys that have a lot of outsized pressure on them to play well here. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't hey, know. Risk it Rom, hasn't, Rom, Rom so. hasn't been that predictable off of the tee recently. He's been having a case of the lefts recently. So uh, I have a pick that I think is the best value for picking an out all uh, outright winner. Um, when I was looking at, you know, bets and stuff like that. Um, it's not a guy I'm super hot on. Yeah, I know who it is. I think it is uh Colin Morikawa, not necessarily the longest driver of the golf ball, but I think he's long enough. Very, very accurate. Statistically, he's playing the best iron game of his career. Um, and we all know how good of an approach player he is. And I don't necessarily think like I had mentioned earlier that this course is gonna need the best putting, you know, of all time or anything like that. I think, uh, it's kind of kind of even out for putting wise. So if Morikawa can, you know, play some really good golf, which he is capable of doing, he's won two majors already. Um, I think one he, of those being he, the PGA championship, yeah, it, yeah. but kid had just mentioned it's a much different course. Um, no, it's a, yeah, but for yeah, sure. uh, it's he, he's at plus 3,500 at the sports book I was looking at, and I think that's uh, bang home, put some money on it, um, value right there. So, yeah, it's interesting, you, you know, in Max Homa's presser today um he talked about how the course is actually kind of evens itself out in terms of like difficulty of approach and the difficulty of the greens in terms of putting that the shorter par fours have more severe greens but the longer par fours have more gradual greens i think for morikawa his putting because he's so strong with his long irons and mid irons that these longer par fours he's coming in on i think he can strike it well enough that he's going to be in a more comfortable position on these greens to combat those slopes in their severity and then the shorter par fours where he will have the ability to attack, they'll be, uh, or I guess the opposite, uh, they're more severe greens that he'll have the ability to kind of navigate them with how good his, his mid iron play is. Long irons, he'll be close for the, the easier putts. So yeah. I don't hate the pick with Morikawa. Um, it really just depends value. on how, Yeah, especially with like, as long as his driver does straighten a little bit out in the, the course of this year, he was at like the top like five percentile and and driving accuracy, and then since the beginning of the season, it sort of like slumped down to being like sixty five percent driving accuracy, which is still great. I was praising Patrick Cantlay for getting there, but he was like at eighty five percent driving accuracy at the beginning of this season through like the 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 West Coast swing. Um, yeah, he's essentially right right at tour average for driving distance, and then you know, yes, he was better at driving accuracy than he has been right now or but still completely right. above average yeah. to the point where well, like you well above average yeah he'll have more irons in his hands and playing from the fairway than most people in the field without question sure. um i mean yeah i think that's a perfectly fine wager someone to put their 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 money in that direction um any i mean we haven't even talked about the second best player in the world really besides ryan's kind of just throw out there uh with him being part of a parlay, but Scotty was in the mix at the Byron last week. Um, still is battling the short putts still, which is concerning, but these greens to Dave's point really may not be all that 
tricky to to putt on for the most part. And I, I think are they bent? I don't remember. I can't remember yeah, what. Yeah, they it's are. a bent, a bent yeah. slash rye mix. I think the greens um, are bent. So that at least anyone can put on bent, right? So hopefully Scotty will get some booing there uh, in his stats. So. I don't hate him there either. Like, I think if you had to pick who's going to perform better, Scotty or Rom at this particular event, I kind of am leaning towards Scotty because I think his weakness right now has been his putting and Rom's weakness has been his driving. And which one is more band-aidable at this venue? And I think it's putting. I would agree with that. I have Scotty as who I am picking to win the tournament um, just because of everything we've mentioned in, you know, this whole pod um, for the course and whatnot. He's well above average in driving distance, well above average in driving accuracy. His approach game is stellar, and he's, as Kid mentioned, his putting hasn't been great. But, you know, for all the shit, yeah. we've, you know, the putting seems like it should be mitigated a little bit on the course. And I think that just makes Scotty jump off the page as, you know, probably in my head, the most likely person to win this tournament doesn't mean he's going to. But I think he has the best shot of winning and He's won two times this year. By no means is he playing bad golf. Um, I think what I what I saw it on Twitter, it was like his last twelve events or ten events, he's finished top ten or top twelve or better. Um he so hasn't it, yeah. He hasn't finished outside the top twelve since November. There uh, it is. Which is not- I mean, look, there's a reason he's a number one betting odds favorite. Like I think his game's in the best place for it. And to my point earlier, I think his weakness is going to be kind of covered up a little bit with this venue in particular. Um, his I, 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 exp- I, what's that? His putting does scare. Like he's losing strokes to the field putting. I think when he finished top 10 at Augusta, he was still giving back like a stroke and a half to the field on the green. So it's not like for bad. the, for the season, his putting is above tour average, but is it? Yeah. Okay. But either either way, I mean, these guys, they know what they need to do. They know what they need to work on. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, he is likely put in more time than, than maybe he normally would on putting. But with that being said, like we're talking about, the putting being a little bit more forgiving here, that just essentially goes to all the points that everybody's saying. I mean – you know, if he happens to just be a little bit better this week because he's worked on it a little bit harder, I mean, it gives him just an exponentially better shot here. And the chances of all of those things being real are pretty fucking high. So, I mean, once again, when we're talking about the odds, it makes sense to where he is. And the chances of him being able to come through on those odds are pretty fucking high. You know, my only question is, and this may be kind of a ridiculous thing to say because I haven't put really any thought into it, but everywhere I'm thinking of that Scotty's one has been relatively far south, hasn't it? Like it's been warm weather. It's been like Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Arizona. Like has Scotty won anywhere like further north than that? Well, last uh, U.S. Open, he was right in the mix against my, Matt Fitzpatrick, and that was in New York as well. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, so Brookline. So he was in the mix in Boston, which is, I think, technically maybe even further north than this. So, um, yeah. Like, I, uh, he could have definitely gotten into a playoff. 
Yep. All right. That's fair enough. <laughs> I'm just rolling through his wins in my head. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Like, it does seem like he thrives well in the heat in like the south, and that's where he grew it's, up. And maybe it's like the grass. Well, I was gonna, like, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that's you know, that's a stomping grounds. It make it definitely makes sense, right? But, but to Dave's point, yeah, he did, he did do well. So, I don't know. I mean, overall, I, I think it's just an absolute given that he's gonna have a shot here. There's one more name I want to throw out before we're doing full-blown picks. Um, who's somebody that I think absolutely could win this thing, and that's Cam Young. Uh, you that, talk was, long, that was my guy. Great with approach shots. Um, also has a top five in every major, I think, so far now. Uh, so I would not be surprised at all to see Cam Young thrive out here. Uh, also grew up in New York. Um, so he's got that going. His yeah, driving accuracy was... is abysmal. Yeah, I uh, listen. I, I I'm a big Cam Young guy. He's on my fantasy team. I like the guy, but yeah, his driving accuracy. I feel like it's going to get him into trouble this week. I don't really like him as a pick. I like the guy. I want to see him do well. He seemed to do either hit or miss at majors. I think he's gonna get a major, but uh, I don't know if this is the venue for him. I don't I I think that if if he can pull it together from a from an accuracy standpoint every other part of his game can complement um this course but I he was my just mention as well like that hey if there's a guy that comes to mind for me that hasn't done it yet but could be a great you know a great option here um I mean he's he's definitely at he I think he you know uh, sits a, second and an avenue up? I an avenue I see for him if he chose to do it which he he probably won't but uh if he chose to club down off a of tease he's got enough distance to be maybe taking three wood or even driving iron on some of these holes and that could make him more accurate into the greens, and his approach game is really good. So if he did a strategy kind of like that, maybe it would be a, in his benefit. I don't know, but uh, you know he has the distance to potentially be able to do that. So huh. I don't know. Well, yeah. and if, I mean, like that would be a handful of holes, right? So I mean, it, if he could pull that together paired with being able to hit the fairways where he needed to, when he is pulling the driver out. Yeah. I mean, that could be a great, a great combo for keeping him in the mix here, but I mean, he's got, he's got every ability in the world. If he happens to be able to, to find fairways, the guy could, could be a contender. He's shown that in multiple, multiple majors. Now he's been a name that I can guarantee you if he's, in the mix on Saturday, people are going to be paying attention. So, um, I mean, it's, that was, that was a guy that I was thought was, was my main mention outside of having an overall pick here. I think and, there's two people we got to talk about though, guys. I think there's two people that one last week that we need to talk about one, yes. Jason day and well, one Sung J M who won in Korea. Yeah, the guy <laughs> cannot stop playing golf. Even when he goes back home, you he's gotta like, I fucking as, I respect might, it. <laughs> I might as well play the tournament. It's happening this weekend. <laughs> and I'll tell you why they're important. I'll 
the reason Sungjae is so lethal here is that he's average up to T, which is plenty, I think, to at least get around here with how good he is with his long irons. And he has got great driving accuracy. He's like 68% fairways hit, better than Cantlay, better than um, Morikawa that I think dropped down to that point too recently. Like the the idea here is that uh, Sungjae can stripe it off the tee and he'll be just fine. I think look out for Sungjae to make a move, boys. And then Jason Day has gotten sneaky longer. Yeah, he averages off the tee. It's dropped below average, but he's looking at like full 316. I don't know what it is on the fly, but he's all right. Yeah. Um, and then Jay Day has found some new speed, and his driving distance is now all the way up to a good old plus five yard advantage on the, the tour average. And Accuracy is still at a respectable, just over to our average. Just over to our average. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Well, at the Byron Nelson that he has won, his driving accuracy was eighty-six percent. Yeah, good. I mean, is that good or what? <laughs> much, <laughs> well, much, much different course, but uh, probably why. Probably why he was there's able the... to pull out a win. There's always the coming off of a win, you know, he's either going to play like, you know, not really care, happy with the win or and that's going to, you know, make him play really well or it's going to go the opposite direction. Um, out of those two guys, I definitely think Sanjay has a better shot of doing well at this tournament. Um, but in Jason Day's defense, he does hit a really high ball, which could be good into these greens. Um, but yeah, I don't you know think who he... also came off of a win and then won their major. Scotty Scheffler. I know. I I'm I, I said it could go two ways. I didn't I didn't rule out the fact that he co- could come in and play well. Um, I love I love a good back to back story. I mean, also he's a prior uh, PGA champion. So I mean, the it thing was is a about stuff ago, like that. But... The thing is about stuff like that. The prior PGA champion stuff. It's like they go to different courses every year, so the courses can vary very much. Without, without a shadow of a doubt, but I yeah. think that there is something behind like wanting to be a repeat winner somewhere, regardless of the type of course. Like I think that there is a driving factor that plays in the back of these guys' minds that if they could do it again, you know. I think you can just say that, that about a major champion, right? He's a prior major champion, so he wants to go in and win another major, right? Th- there right. is something – there is something to your point, though, Clint. There is something about being like, I've done this before. I can do it again. Look at JT. He has two PGAs. Look at Rory. He has two PGAs. Look at Tiger. He has the most repeats, PGAs. Like, there is Brooks. something about Brooks, two PGAs. Like, it, it, it does seem like once you knock off a PGA, you kind of, like, feel like it's it's like a it's your home tournament almost. And, like, people seem to repeat there more than most any other major, despite the Masters being the easiest, quote-unquote. Like, Yeah. Well, I just think, it doesn't like, have I the same identity that... as, you know, the Open being Lynx courses most of the time, or Masters being at the same tournament over and over, or U.S. Opens being set up to be extremely difficult, and those being the through lines. But the PGA still seems to find a way to have repeat winners all the time. Yeah, I just, I just think that there's a, a mental aspect that comes into play that these guys tap into that you know like i said regardless of the course granted you know uh, when there is a different course maybe being able to tap into that mental aspect allows them to be like all right 
this fucking week, I've got to be good off the tee. I've got to be hitting fairways this week. And that's the, you know, mental fortitude that they need to fucking strive through and, and put it where it needs to be. I mean, with that being said, maybe coming in on, you know, another one, I mean, Colin Morikawa falls into that category, even though we've already talked about him, but you know, another person that could maybe tap into that and, and be a big showing here out of that aspect, not even the fact that he's already a good, you know, pick anyway, but yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I just think that there is a little bit of psychology there that probably comes into play that, I don't know, can be, could be an aspect. I mean, we haven't even talked about the defending champion yet with JT. What do we think his chances are this week? I mean, his putter's been really bad. Um, I think he just started doing aim point last week. It's he's got never, positive strokes and never positive strokes time. and putting. Yeah. I mean, look at, whoa, dude, stones and glass houses. Look at your fucking number one draft pick. <laughs> Listen, I I I realize that Homa is an aim pointer, um, and he's been called out this year on social media. You know, I don't think it, most people don't like the old aim point vibes. Um, yeah, it helps people, um, but I mean, it's better than plumb bobbing, and your boy Ricky think, loves I, that too. I just think that whenever some someone is switching up their putting game drastically, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean, or it generally means it's not in a good place, right? Yeah, but then it's like, that's their goal to make it better. And this past week where he put it into place, he went from being on average like 0.5 strokes below putting strokes gained to being plus three, six. So, and he was in the mix of the tournament. Not only that, but we can talk about his driving accuracy, which we've been pounding home for this course. And it's, I believe, below average on tour right but it's, now. If you look at his graph, it's trending up. So he's finding more and more accuracy week in and week out. So it's going in the right direction. Yeah, but guys we've been talking about have been well above tour average. He's trending up to tour average, which... Weren't you, you just know. backing a guy who was at tour average and driving accuracy earlier? Driving distance. No, all of the guys I've talked about have been really good, accurate drivers. Plus, distance was where you said average. Yeah. I think that I would, a, a huge JT Homer fan here, um, I wouldn't be shocked if JT came out and balled out. I think the scenario where that happens is the weather gets a little bit gnarly, right? It's cold and windy, and his shot shaping ability gets a chance to shine um and keeps those scores higher i think that's the best case scenario for jt um would i be shocked if monday we're talking about jt winning no uh but would i bet on him also no uh i think i would be a little shocked like i'm look i'm here to defend jt for sure um mostly that like he's trying to make positive strides in his game and it seems to be working both in driving accuracy and putting which is which is good. Um, I do think if the weather gets really bad, as much as he can flight his shots and, and, uh, and work the ball different ways, I still think at the end of the day, like you have to hit a low straight shot off the tee and, and kind of cold, bad, windy conditions in all likelihood. Um, so I don't think it's going to get that gnarly from the looks of the forecast. Uh, I like JT here in just general. I think at, I think he, he can, he can show up and, and play well. Um, but I, I don't think 
he's going to win this week. To your point, I don't think I'd bet on him. And I would be surprised if he goes back to back because it's really hard to go back to back. <laughs> Ryan, do you want to make a bet that Rick will finish better than JT? No. I think that says a lot, right? Well, yeah, I, I have said from the get-go that I think Rick could do really he, well here. He he did say he thought he was going to put a wager on Rick to do well. Yeah. That being said, yeah. like once again, Ricky kind of barely hovering above to her average on accuracy. Like, but I mean, I think the... Rick, I think Rick and JT have a very similar shot of winning this golf tournament. That's why I threw that out there. Yeah. I just like the way like Ricky is trending right now where I think JT is grinding. Um, that's kind of the difference in my eyes. I would agree. That's why I said I would take take Rick over JT, but yeah. And Ricky is completely under the radar, right? Like JT has all the defending champion obligations. Like he, I think he has far more media attention on him right now. I, I think it's a harder task for, for JT to play well here than it will be for Ricky who can, I think any result is no one's going to care. What I mean, Ricky you can also say Ricky's never won a major JT has two of two PGA championships and be like, you know, it might be much harder for Ricky to. I think that's more about closing close. it out, though, right? It's not about like, like, Finau's never won a major, but he's been doing fine in a lot of them. Like, I, I don't think performing better than one other person in the tournament has to do with too much of like championship pedigree. Um, and it's but... all good. You know, Rick, Rick will take it home if he's, he's in the mix on Sunday. Okay. I'm so. happy to make that wager, Dave, if if you'd like that. Well, we'll if, talk Rick, on if Rick, if Rick is on the first page of the leaderboard on Sunday, we'll take that he will not win. We'll do the last two groups. Uh, yeah, let's do that. What do you want to do? Just ten dollars straight up. If Rick's in the last two two groups, we can do ten dollars straight up for sure. All right, lock it in. Um, Lock it in. You know who we haven't talked about? We've talked about most of SB2K15, but we haven't talked about the Golden Boy. One Jordan Spieth made his way onto the grounds today. He WD'd last week from a hurt wrist. People on site are saying he looks like he's hitting it perfectly normal, isn't defending his wrist, is flushing it, and is playing well. <laughs> oh, really? So I hadn't heard any of that. I just heard that yesterday Greller was walking the grounds and Jordan wasn't there. And my immediate thought was, please withdraw before the tournament starts. He has he played tape nine on his wrist today with Rom. Yeah, he he had tape on his wrist, and he had one of the those like strip things yeah, that are on your arm. Yeah. Um, but all the footage seems to be like a non-defensive swing. It's not wincing on in on impact, and people are saying like that on the grounds. They're saying like he looks good. So, I mean, By we'll all... see what happens after four rounds, but. By all means, I hope you're right, and his wrist is more minor than you know. We you know would, yeah, we would think or whatever. But uh, let's let's assume that his wrist is healthy and he's able to play four days without hurting it out of the rough or something like that. Spieth's just driving accuracy. <laughs> I don't I don't like it for this course um, do we said that about beth page though and he was in the mix <laughs> yeah that, i think that's an outlier kind of kind of st stat for that's him. all Whenever... it takes though dude is an outlier and speed gets his career grand slam we just need an outlier week he's also Listen, i'll be the first one rooting for the guy to do it if he's in the mix don't get me wrong then but... bring the positivity now what are you doing <laughs> I'm, what are you I'm... doing here 
He's being realistic. Yeah, I just think it, it, Spieth's Spieth thrives off of being able to get himself out of trouble off the tee. He shot shapes his way into saving pars when he needs to, and sometimes those saves turn into miraculous birdies. And this course with the rough the way it is, how demanding it is off the tee, I just don't think with the potential wrist injury, with what is demanded from this course, I just don't think it is the spot he's going to take home a major this week. I am ashamed um, of you, Dave. I am ashamed <laughs> of you. I, I'm we all, we are speed defenders, and he's going for the career grand slam. And you're bringing just the negativity that we can't have in this camp right now. It's I, not I negativity. I'm just no. I don't care if you, you, you can't. You can't, you can't masquerade as realism. That's not why we're here. That's not <laughs> why we're here. We need blind optimism, Dave. That's what kid wants. The kind of blind optimism you bring for Rick every goddamn tournament he pl- tees it up in. There's a point there. There's a pretty heavy point there. Look, if anybody can survive in spite of their driving, it's speed. Um, and Tiger. Said, and Tiger. Touche. Uh, he's pretty... Made not, a career out of it. Yeah. He's not going to be teeing it up this week, though, last I heard. Um, no, that, who else is it? John Daly. Is he not? <laughs> no, he withdrew to though. Mm, that's a bummer. I love seeing him out there on the golf cart. Yeah, I know. Anyway, Smoke. sorry. It's something. Um, I just think the last thing you want, if I could pick like an injured wrist going into what sounds like just really gnarly rough, just seems like a recipe for disaster. And as someone who has them on their fantasy team, I'm very concerned about a Friday flare up WD for speed dog. All right. Well, I've got one last one to talk about. Um, One Rory McIlroy, number three in the world, um, came off of obviously a very disappointing miscut. The Masters appeared has to has appeared to completely shift his mindset. You know, we speculate on why he had taken the time away. He played the Wells Fargo. He's always you know usually played well at Quail Hollow. And spoke to the media and basically said like he took time off for for mental health and, and not being in the right place. And he's demonstrably different. I'm not sure if anyone watched his uh, presser, but he is done being forthcoming and forthright. He had very short, stoic answers with the media. He is not here to be the face for the PGA Tour for the foreseeable future from the sound of it. He isn't what commenting a, on very many things. Flip flop. You know, like, he's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. I just want to play good golf. I, and it, I, I, you know. I, I think, you know, clearly his his priorities are basically like it's a, it's probably exhausting being him and, and doing all this thing and having so much on his back. And I think he's performed nobly the last 18 months in that respect. And he's played some of his best golf as a result. But clearly it was a lot for him going into the Masters. And I think for him, he's just like, I'm giving this zero energy right now. My focus is playing as good as I can at these events. And I don't know if that's good for him. I don't know if that's bad for him. I don't know if he thrives off being included in a lot of things and having that responsibility, but I suppose we'll see Um, a couple of bad things going for him right now. His driving accuracy is falling off of a cliff right now. The only good thing is that he did switch to that other driver shaft and it did well for him at the match play. And hopefully he finds that again for this week. It's kind of a, a far shot. 
he's played up here more than most people because his wife's family is from up here, like in Rochester, and he's played the course a few times from my understanding. So I wouldn't say it's like a home field advantage, but that's some bump. Um, he plays relatively well in courses that have to, that favor driving length. And if there's anyone who can muscle it out of this rough, it's probably Rory with this steep attack angle, but I'm not, I'm not feeling bullish on his performance here, but I wouldn't be surprised if he channels something miraculous. If this is his new priority It's just basically my focus is four tournaments a year. I'm now shifting into tiger mode. And then speaking of tiger, according to Brennan Porath, not only is Rory's swing coach in town right now, who is usually overseas, uh, he also uh, supposedly is reporting that Tiger texted Rory and said he saw something in his swing at Quail Hollow, and then Rory spent a couple hours at Tiger's house on Friday about his swing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's like anything serious, but like I, Tiger, I guess that's something to Tiger talk about. Is- Tiger's now moonlighting as a swing coach. <laughs> Give me Tiger's full-time Rory swing coach all day. I'm here for it. I, I think I think it's interesting considering that like he teaches Charlie to swing like Rory, and then he's saying he saw something in Rory's swing to maybe like work. Like I don't know, man. Like it might he's just turning, be like fantasy storylines where he's, he's like, "Go ahead." He's dude. turning. He's turning Rory's swing into his swing, and he's like, "Yeah, you just need to swing like Rory." Yeah, swing like Rory, and it's like actually you're swinging like me. But I knew if I told you to swing like me, you wouldn't want to because you don't want to be exactly like your dad. And this is some (laughs) 3D fucking 4D chest shit I'm pulling off right now. (laughs) The interesting thing with that though, too, in all seriousness, is that like Tiger obviously has had to change his swing dramatically with his leg issues and his back issue. That like he's always said that like if he had complete mobility, he would swing like Rory, but he can't use his body in the same way that Rory does. Yeah. And so like, I'm all for tiger being like, look, like there's so much more that you can achieve. And I am here to help you (laughs) if I'm not in the mix. Cause like, you're not getting anywhere near me on majors. Like at this point, like I'm going to do everything I can to get you there. Like he clearly has like a couple of guys that he cares a lot about. I mean, the full swing documentary with him ending the series ending with him texting Rory after the tour championship, like obviously JT and him are very close. Like, I think there's a reason that like Tiger and Phil gravitate toward like Rory and JT as like the guys that they root for and they see like the ceilings for like being like, if those guys get it figured out, like they're winning everything, um, which is, I think, fascinating. I don't know what's going to happen with Rory this week. I think he's got a lot more gone, more going on than just his swing, but God, I'd, I'd love to see him win his third fucking PGA. I think it's, I mean, that's not a surprise to anyone, but he needs to be talked about. It should be said too. I think he switched putters again. Um, I think that's what I read on Twitter that he went back to the spider. He went away from which the was the right call. Like right. everyone does the little switch putters, get get a nice little reset, and then go back to something comfortable. He was playing, he or he was putting the best he had putted with that spider X, and I think that was the right call. And I have a vested interest to for Rory not to win majors, so. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you have a vested interest in him using a spider because you are a spider boy. Uh, that, that and, and, and he said on, I think, either the Match Play podcast or the Masters podcast, that like he will switch back to the spider. Just wait. I, I did say that. I, I know I said it to Brandon. I wasn't sure if I said it on the pod or not. But yeah, I, I had a, a gut feeling he was going to be back to the spider. 
I mean, I, if your like theory is to be believed, like, and it's just like a point to reset the stroke and everything, like the week he changed to it at the match play, he got solo third with plus 0.7 strokes gained on the greens. The next two, he was minus strokes gained on the greens. And then we'll see what happens with him going back to the spider. But whatever he that's, was. Well, that's what whatever. happens with the reset. You tend to putt better with that new putter. And then you start using it and it's like, oh, this isn't good. But it reset me and I'm going back to what I know. And what I what I put well with. I'm trying to see what a reset, right? That's a that's move. Why, that's why that's why I have a Scotty Cameron. I'll use it for a couple rounds, and then I'm right back to the spider. It's a nice the most reset. expensive reset. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if I'm gonna switch to a blade, I want it to be a nice fucking blade. Am I right? Yeah. If it reset him to the Hero Desert Classic Dubai, where he was putting with the spider and had plus one point one three on the greens and won the tournament, I would love to see it. <laughs> Yeah. Or at the tour championship where he's basically plus two strokes on the greens putting. That's pretty good too. <laughs> Either way. So kid got his Rory spiel out. Is there any other guys that we haven't mentioned that y'all feel, you know, are, you know, potential guys that could do pretty well, or do we want to go into some dark horse picks if we have any? And then we haven't talked about us. We haven't, we haven't talked about a single live player yet. We haven't mentioned one. True. I uh I have a live player who I think I I think will do the best. Um I don't know. Was it the right, fifty-four wait. hole leader at the Masters who was leading by like five strokes <laughs> going into the afternoon? What? He's also won back to back PGA championships. Is nah, it that it's guy? Not him. Not him. Is it his, is it his uh bash brother? Who just won this past week that in is Oklahoma? Is. That's, That's kind of driving his driving accuracy is terrible. How could we know that? Is it? I'm just going off of Dustin Johnson that I know from many years prior. He's a long driver, generally pretty accurate. Um, never been, have? never, never been the best putter, but has great iron game and wedges. Um, as far as live guys go, like I obviously I didn't mention Dustin Johnson on any of the names prior because you know. But if we're talking about live guys, I think DJ has got the best shot at this course. And if it's like Beth Page, he was tracking down Kepka. The guy, the Sunday. other, the other live player that won it. <laughs> yeah, but Kepka looked not good on Sunday, and DJ looked like he was making moves. And yeah, um, DJ is doing the same thing as JT. He has had terrible driving accuracy off the tee. He's slowly climbing his way out. He's just below tour average accuracy, Dave. So is DJ in the mix or is JT in the mix? Or are they both in the mix? Hold on, you gotta but... put your feet to the fire here. Where did you get that? I'll make another bet with you that DJ does better than JT. My point is, if DJ has a chance, does JT have a chance? And if if no, what's the logic? Because they're hovering around basically the same stats. My my logic is just my gut. I don't have any other logic besides that, and that that's just my honest answer. How many okay. events do they have for DJ as far as driving accuracy? Data golf. They have live stats. Do they? Yeah, they they yeah. do. He's below average in accuracy right now. His approach and driving distance are above average, pretty dramatic. Imagine being below strokes gain average against live fields, though. Like, ugh, right? That's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, I also wonder how much DJ is actually mentally invested into any of that. And obviously, he didn't do great in the Masters this past year or this last Masters of Rom one, but. You know, I feel like he kind of 
shifts into another gear for majors or i would like to think that for dj but uh i don't know i like i said just my gut feeling is that he'll do better than jt and i think he'll be the best live player out there the low live player yeah i think that cameron smith has an opportunity to uh his, his driving accuracy is terrible as well yeah i know i know he's not um just doesn't feel like a good course amazing for him. And this is someone well, who has him on his team well i mean i know he's not amazing at finding fairways but uh either either way i think that if we're if we're going to be talking about live players i i think that he has as good of a shot as just about any of them i mean dj would be would be hands down a better pick and um Brooks possibly as well, but Brooks also um, started having some troubles with fairway finding, you know, towards the end of his master's round. So I don't know. I mean, um, I think all three of those guys could be, could be mentioned, but um, I got a couple guys I would, above, above Cam Smith and Brooks, or at least one guy that I think would do better than those two. The Gooch? Nah, Joaquin Neiman. Yeah, I've heard that name thrown around. Uh, yeah, but I think DJ will do better than Joaquin, but that's just my feeling. Yeah, if if Smooth Swing and Louie wasn't so fucking short, this would be the spot for him. <laughs> the guy hits fairways, man. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. So be is that is, is that all we've got on Live Kid? Do yeah. you have a like? What's your thought on low Live player? I think this is the this is the fancy matchup with Clint that I have to eke out because I just don't like Cam Smith there, but I like him at the next two majors. And then same with I think DJ could do fine here, Dave. Like if he can keep it straight and he's finding something with his driver, I think he he could do fine. The same way I think JT could do fine. I think they both have the same chance of doing well. Um, but as far as low live players go, like. I don't know. I, I still think Brooks is probably going to be the low live player. Like, I think he just finds something on major, you know, major yeah. weeks. So I don't really care about Brooks's stats. I've seen enough in majors to be like, he figures it out. Like when he cares enough and his game isn't in shambles, which it doesn't appear to be this year. And I think he's hungry to get any exemption status that he can get to. I heard something the other day. Is it true if you have a U.S. Open win, it's a ten-year exemption for the U.S. Open, just the U.S. Open? No, because five? no, because Gary Woodland is going to be off of his uh, in two years, from what I had seen. I think it's still five years. That's what I thought. I just had read something on Twitter. Of course, that's not fucking, <laughs> you know, written in stone on Twitter. I, I was can, just I wondering. Can double check. I heard somebody say something like that though too, but maybe was it U.S. Open or the Open? U.S. Open, the yeah. the U.S. Open. But yeah, I I just didn't know about that because if that's the case, then what we were saying about Brooks having whatever the, his shots were seven to go or whatever. But yeah. It, yeah, excuse. It would be more if that was the case, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Kid. Oh, you guys are right. Uh, according to golf.com uh exemption for winning the u.s open gives you a 10-year exemption into the u.s open a five-year into the pga tour five-year exemption to the, in the masters 
British Open and PGA. So the US yeah, Open so, does get 10 years for when the US Open. So he's got some more shots at the US Open and then That's he has a life. Dumb. Then he like has a lifetime. Then he has a lifetime into the PGA. Or not lifetime, but you know, the John Daly special. Like you're yeah. gonna be able to play it a long time. Yeah. So There's yeah. Brooks Brooks is gonna be playing the US Open the PGA for a hot minute. So yeah. maybe the whole like he's going to be really trying to win a major um, situation might not be the case, but yeah. yeah. I, is there any other guys that uh, like I said, maybe some dark horses or that we haven't mentioned before we wrap this thing up? I don't know. I want to see what happens with Max. Max has gotten pretty good with the driver off the tee. He hasn't performed well in pretty much any major, which is really sad to see, but maybe this is when he finally figures it the fuck out and he just, starts playing like he normally plays these days on tour like i'm hoping for that i would love to see a max top five that would be that would be great i would love that too uh, on the on the odds that i was looking at him and the golden boy have the same odds yeah that's injury related uh one thing i will mention with max is uh reports from solly of nlu um he spoke with him a little bit. Doesn't seem like he's vibing with the course too much. I don't know how much you want to weigh into that. Um, he may find himself, though, making the cut and doing pretty well and be like, oh, wow, I'm in the mix and find something. But uh, by by that report, he, uh, you know, doesn't seem to be meshing too well I with it. But... I, don't th- I don't think that's a requirement to win, though, right? Is that like, no, I don't like... know how much he likes where the Fortinet is played, you know? But like, I think if he's... I think the course sets up perfectly fine for his game. I, I think if he can, I think he'll like anywhere that he's playing well. So if he I, let's let's put it this way, I think if Max starts playing well, I think he'll find what he likes about the course. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other dark horse ish uh, that's kind of interesting <laughs> is uh, Terrell Hatton. Um, he's down there like forty ish to one. Um, Dude's pretty good with the old long approach shot. He's not super long off the tees, but he's really good at approach. Um, <coughs> just one that I thought was interesting as like a value teaser, but not in love with it. He's got to win this year though, and wouldn't it makes sense a little bit? I feel you. Anybody all right, else? So just, all right, just I think just we um, close out with just people. Oh, okay, Clint, go ahead. My man. <laughs> Uh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I mean, if we're if we're talking about dark horses um, and and Terrell Hodden's out there, I mean, I think another one could be Sam Burns. Um, oh, what I a coincidence! The guy that's on his team. Well, so is Terrell Hatton, and I didn't mention. I know. Him, I know. <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm just saying. Like they're they're both the same odds, but um, but I mean, he, like statistically. Uh, Sam Burns has some amazing stats and I mean, he's played well in multiple tournaments this year. And I mean, um, you know, not the best driving accuracy though. No, once again, like, and his approach game is better than average, but not like crazy good. But I, I, you know, like you said, we're throwing some names out there towards the end of this that we haven't mentioned. And I don't think that's an awful name. He's proven Um, that he can play well. Yeah. Yeah, but like um, where his approach shots are really good is further out. Like he's second or third 
um, like on tour in like 225 to 250 range. So like from those further approach shots, he does really well, which could be good here um if if he happens to be bad off the tee but i I mean you know it just it's a dark horse where it's a dark horse that's what a dark horse is okay i'm just saying (laughs) for sure so i've got oh go for it kid no go ahead dave i've got two dark horses that i wanted to mention that i think one i think is a a real good dark horse the other is iffy but I, i i see some value there uh the first that I want to mention is uh, Tom Kim. You know he kind of he kind of hopped on the tour, got got a win. Does he have two wins? He's also forty to one right there with Burns and Haddon. I think um, only one, but win. one win. But he he is a very accurate driver. Has a very good approach game. Um, not necessarily the longest driver, but is hovering right around tour average, which what we've been saying should be enough. Um, and if you're accurate, I think you're going to, you know, <clears throat> do pretty well out there. He's, uh, plus 10,000. Uh, so if you want to throw a, a few, uh, few bones that direction, I don't think it's a bad move. He doesn't have a ton of major experience, right? Wasn't Augusta this year, his first major yeah, but if we, you know, look at past people, like look at Morikawa, look sure. at Spieth, look at people like that, these guys tend to come out on tour and kind of rattle off wins. And if yeah. they're good, if they're really good, they tend to rattle off maybe a major or two. Um, it's kind of that naive, just on tour kind of vibe, right? And then you hear guys talking about how once you get a couple, it actually becomes harder because yeah. you get more expectation like i'm supposed to be winning these type of situation but uh yeah i th- I think there's a lot of value there at tom kim um i think he, he he should play pretty well this week but we'll see and then the other guy that i think is a, more of a long shot and it kind of goes against uh everything i've been saying oh, no. <laughs> this podcast but he makes up for it in driving accuracy is russell henley uh, plus twelve thousand five hundred. Um, it's clearly the value, like the 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 high the the, the largeness of the payout that has Dave vibing on this. Yeah. Um. Very he, very he, very accurate driver. Below average. Hits it distance. so short though. He's yeah. So short. But he is in a good. He is a good approach player. Um. Not necessarily a good putter. Uh, he's good around the greens, but uh, <laughs> I just think for the value, I think it's worth going going for it. So he, he, I don't, I don't know. I, I will be sure. So are you putting a dollar on him? What are you putting on him? I mean, a dollar would pay out quite a bit. What is I, I that? Think a there dollar is a would certain... pay out one hundred and twenty-five bucks. And for good reason, because this is truly like, I think driving distance to this venue is sort of like you got to be this tall or ride this roller coaster. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to even fucking get on the ride, but he's standing on his dad's feet trying to get in. You know, him hey, that at, works for me. It works for people for, me. for people around his his odds. I think he stands out to me, but 
I, I, if we're at Hilton Head, all right. If we're at, you know, like <laughs> I, I feel, I feel a couple venues for Henley for sure, but I don't, I don't know about here. I don't know about here, man. Um, all right, I, let's close this thing out with, all right, who's your fucking pick? That's what I'm saying. This is my segment. It's called "Who's Your Fucking Pick, Man." <laughs> well, I said mine earlier, so I'll get it out of the way. It's Scotty Scheffler. Um, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Um. Obviously, betting favorite going into it. Um, number two player in the world has won twice this year, won the Masters last year, and you know, haven't ha- hasn't gotten below 12th since November, as Ryan mentioned. Um, the guy's just playing really good golf. I think the venue sets up well for him, and that's my pick. Totally fair. I don't think anybody's gonna question you. Um, my fucking pick is. The big guy, Tony Finau. I think he gets it done. I think he gets his first major. Uh, everything about this it. just feels like it's the right venue, it's the right time. He's playing well. Uh, so I think Big Tone gets it done. Well, yeah. I love the Tony Finau pick. Um, big, 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 big fan there. Um, I don't know. I I have a weird feeling about Rory this week um I like he's he's not he's not my favorite player in the world I mean like I I respect the fuck out of his out of his game um but I think that he's like after having a weird couple weeks I think he's just gonna have like the mental focus of a damn ox i don't know what their mental focus is but they work hard you know um so they're known for their uh, mental acuity and focus for sure <laughs> definitely not their work i ethic. mean i i think that he's gonna put his head down and and fucking bull through it so he's like a yeah. damn ox okay yeah. um so i i just think that i don't he's care how you get out. there clint i'm just glad he's got support man Hey, I'm just I'm just telling you I think that uh that he's going to come out swinging this week and and with that being said, his swing's pretty fucking good and he can drive the ball and he knows where to put it and yeah. that's all going to play well for him this week. And apparently he has Tiger Moonlighting as a swing coach, so I mean, what more do True. you need, you know? Yeah, I imagine I imagine whatever that 3-hour session was, I mean, you know, just Lit a lit a light bulb could, in that he, little head that dude, he could have gonna, been just coming down do from post surgery pain meds, and he was just sort of like, "Whoa, dude, what if you tried swinging it lefty?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would. Rory's like, "Why did I come over here?" <laughs> and then proceed to be there for two hours. Walk me through lefty right quick. Him and Charlie just started having a chipping competition or something okay <laughs> love it all right, all right kid um, who's your fucking pick i intentionally didn't say anything about this guy because i was wondering if people were going to talk about him and i i didn't. think i know who it is nope. and uh, he was on my short list or the honorable mentions i think i didn't mention him but i think i know who it is um, I, I think he's coming in under the radar for a lot of good reasons. Um, I think this is actually a pretty great venue for him. Um, I, I love his course fit here. I almost want to give Dave a chance to say the person right now. Cause I will, if you want me to. Yeah, go for it. Victor Hovland. 
That's exactly I was going right. to say the same. Shut up, Clint. Nobody wants to talk to you. I swear on my life. No, stop I this. swear on my life. <laughs> you, I, I gave Dave the chance to say it beforehand, and then you're over here willing to pounce on afterward. I talked myself <laughs> through Javi earlier, and him I, I call bullshit on all this shit. Nobody said his fucking name during this podcast. My, I, 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 no, Dave, you said it because I didn't say it beforehand, but you two start creeping in after Dave says it. I was about to just, my rationale. I swear on my life. I swear on my life, I almost creeped in to say it before Dave so that I could fucking steal the spotlight. I swear on my life. But, Dave, great pick. Kid, it's not my off. pick, but <laughs> I, I... No, I'm saying, like, way to, way to call his pick. But I was... I was in no, the same... I, I mean, we're on a little bit of a time crunch, so I didn't want to bring him up, you know, after the fact or anything. But, yeah, I think everything Kid said, like, venue, like, I think it does... Everything we've mentioned, it does suit, especially at his value at plus three thousand. What I was looking at, he's a he's a good guy to put some money on for sure. And I'll let kid take it from here because he is his pick apparently to win it. Yeah, I, I think I think for all the things that's been said so far, uh, I I would choose him if I was putting money on this. I think he's the best value. I honestly think he's got right there close to Scotty is probably the most likely to win this thing. Um, and I think the thing he has over Scotty is there's no expectations on him whatsoever. Um, I, I think if he plays it right, his approach game is phenomenal. Like he, he's so good at approach. He's so dependable off of the tee. Like he hits it high. Like I, I like Victor here. He's plenty long enough. I, I, I think he's great in cold weather too. I mean, he's fucking Norwegian. Like I, I think this is where Javi overcomes his previous falter at, uh, at a gut, uh, not a gust at the old course. And uh, I think he gets it done. I, I like Javi for this week. I'd be in on that. My only worry with him is around the greens. Um, bail for bunkers. His bunker play is pretty good. Like, yeah. bail for bunkers. I think all the approach shots are set up where if it's elevated greens, they're bounding off of them into low areas where it has to get touchy. But for the most part, I, I trust his – the greens are big. I trust his approach game to hit a lot of yeah. greens. Uh, I also think – what what we had mentioned with the green complexes and bunkering and the rough around the green, I think it's going to kind of mitigate everyone's short game. Yeah. So it'll it kind of help. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I think it's a good pick. I definitely, it, it I would not be shocked and it's awesome value too at 30 to one. Well, and he's, I mean, he's put himself in the mix in, in a couple majors now. So, I mean, it's not like he's a stranger to that spotlight. Like, he's obviously not been able to shut the door. But, I mean, I I definitely could see could see him being in that in that final group on on Sunday. It's very, very possible. Well, you know, what's sick is the four of us get to watch it together here in a couple days. That's very true. true. Yeah, it's crazy how this is like the second most important golf event this weekend. But far the second most. (laughs) All right, boys. Very true. Well, it was fun, boys. We'll see how all this plays out. But uh, always a pleasure. And anyone who's listening, Maddie, thanks for listening. (laughs) And we will uh, catch you guys probably on the PGA Championship recap or Ryder Cup or Ranger Cup recap situation. Peace.